0: Amen 26 18 through 25 And Isaac Digged again The wells of water Which that had Which they had digged In the days of Abraham His father For the Philistines had stopped them After the death of Abraham And he called their names After the names by which his father Had called them And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well which, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not. For I am with thee and will bless thee and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Lord, help us tonight. God, as we continue with the burden that you laid on my heart, God, the hunger that's in the souls of the saints of this church, the desire to go deeper, God, the desire to be reconnected with the old landmarks, the great works of God. God, we want to prepare for that which is before us. Oh, hallelujah, for the great revival, for the great harvest, for the restoration, God, of the miraculous God. We just pray that your will be done tonight. Help me deliver your word. I need your anointing. And God, help us all receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So good to have our guests tonight. Amen. It's good to have uh, Sister Connie's sisters, actually, Sister Madison's sisters, Sister Fisher's sisters, and Sister Connie's sisters with us tonight. <laughs> Amen. It's good to have them with us. Somebody say, digging a whale. Amen. If we got enough shovels up here tonight, we can dig a few wells. Amen. Thank you for those who brought your shovels, but I would encourage you, if you don't have your initials on it, go ahead and spot your shovel and make sure you know which one is yours where you can take it home tonight, because we're always looking for shovels around here. We can use shovels. We pick back up, and I'll just do a brief from where we were at uh, by the digging of wells. It was after Abraham's death that Isaac is now leading Israel, and he sees the need to dig wells, the importance of wells. They couldn't survive without wells. He helped dig those wells in the days of his father. Abraham. He remembered when the wells were being dug. He remembered the conversations of how important those wells were. He remembered those that were a part of digging those wells. He remembered when they struck water and how wonderful and celebrative they were because they had dug those wells and were successful. I'm sure he remembers many trips out to the well of drinking that cool water and remembering when they dug those wells, how thankful he are he was that they were there. I'm sure he remembered when guests would come through or uh, travelers would come through and they would be able to drink of the water of the wells that he helped his father dig. But when he returned to those wells, when it was under his watch, and he saw that the Philistines had clogged up the wells, and that ought to make you mad. But he saw the need, and so one thing I appreciate about many things of Isaac is Isaac didn't say, "Oh well, they're clogged up, and so we're going to have to try to find some new resources." Hello, somebody. I had to preach a little bit right there. We, we don't need to move on to new resources only. We can include them. We can add to the our quiver, if you will, but we must never get to a place that we don't recognize the need to redig some old wells. The reason Isaac done that, he saw the importance of those wells. He saw the essentiality to those wells, and he knew that if we're going to make it, these are our wells, our forefathers' blood, sweat, and tears Dug these wells and they're great resources, and so we're gonna redig the wells. Y'all gonna help me tonight, I pray. Let me slow down a little bit. But I appreciate the fact that Isaac realized the enemy's not gonna stop the revival that God has. These wells don't belong to the enemy. These wells are not under the control of the enemy. These were dug by men of God. These were dug by our forefathers. There's too much history here. There's too many people drank from these wells. There's been too many revivals produced from these wells. There's been too many moves of God that have been produced through these wells. I know we've got brand new ways, and we're blessed with money. And we're blessed with, with gifts and talents and technology. But can I tell you, none of that will produce what the whales will produce? Amen. Let's not forget the whales are essential. There's some things we can do without, we've done without them before. But one thing we can't do without, my friend, we can't do without the whales. And so he went and he re dug those wells. And then we find out that he went and digged a a, a new well. As I said the other night, his family needed to be a part of digging new wells. They were not just the old wells, but they needed a daddy that knew how to dig wells. I talked about that two weeks ago. Mom and dads, your children need to see you digging some wells. When you run into hard times and dry seasons, they need to see a mom and daddy that need to know how to get on their knees and dig a well of a breakthrough that digs a well of a healing. Come on somebody. I know we're not talking about just physical wells but we're talking about wells that have sustained our families through the years that we turn to that water that comes from a well that we dug something that would bring answers and relief. Oh praise God. I wonder how many wells could your children name tonight? I wonder how many of mine they can name. Hello? Could you go back in time in your walk with God and think about when it was dry and you couldn't touch God, you couldn't get an answer, or there was a dilemma or a circumstance or a situation, or there was a mountain that could not be moved. You you didn't know which way you to turn. You didn't know where your reprieve was coming from. You didn't know how things were going to work out, and the whole family was affected by it. Your future might have been in question. Maybe you were going through the deepest valley of your life. Maybe it was a teenager, the teenager that was strung out on drugs. Maybe it was a marriage that was about to crumble, whatever it might be, but you didn't have the answers. Nobody could really help you. Nobody could get you out of the circumstance, but you learned, I've got to dig a well, and you got a hold of God, and you dug, and you bore in, and you t- Heaven, and the answer came, you'll never forget that well, my friend. And the next time a valley comes or a mountain is faced, you're going to remember, I know where that well is at. I'm going back to my place of prayer. I know how to touch God. I know I can dig a little deeper and I can touch with that fountain of answers, of breakthroughs once again. Well, praise God. I'm not going to use any illustrations of myself this weekend. Some of you know where your wells are at. Can I tell you? Can I ask you a question? I wonder if there's any old wells that the enemy has clogged up. You knew where to go when you needed an answer, you knew right where to go to when you needed a breakthrough. You're right. We were able to sense when our prayer life wasn't where it used to be. We could sense when the enemy was attacking. We could go through trials and situations of life, but did we learn how to push through it on our own? Did we learn just how to accept the problems as they were? Did we learn how to just try to survive and struggle through the seasons and become so weighted down with oppression and stress? Did we learn how to try to that we've become accustomed to the weights that has falling upon us. Have we become a hashata lalabaya? Have we become accustomed to not having a real breakthrough? Have we become accustomed to the dry seasons in our life? Have we become accustomed to just ordinary church? Have we become accustomed to empty baptistries and empty altars and people not getting the Holy Ghost on a regular basis? Come on, somebody! I'm preaching. to the preacher tonight. i preach it to the church tonight in the kingdom. Have we learned how to do that? But could we be reminded, wait a minute, I remember the all night prayer meetings. I remember the 21 day fast. I remember when we had to get an answer. I remember when the church was going a 30 day fast. I remember the days we knew how to dig wells. I remember the church I, of my home church that broke out into revival and it went for six weeks and the church canceled the Christmas program and 18 people got the holy ghost and today there's the majority of them are still living for God and there's several preachers and pastors that are now uh working in the ministry that came out of that revival can I tell you it wasn't coincidence but the church had just not long gone through some prayer meetings and some fasting what Happened, they learn how to dig a well. Now, can I tell you? I hope I get through with this tonight. I, I remember the wells that we had dug, and I don't know, there was just something about that cool water out of that tin cup with that long handle. You young folks don't know nothing about this. You go out there and you had to prime the pump. We hope that'll stay there for till I need it next. You go out there and you pour a little water, you took a little water with you. And you pumped and primed that pump and you did that, then the water will start flowing. And, and that water wasn't gonna stop flowing until you shut it off. Hello? It would have flowed all day long and all night long. It would have irrigated the whole countryside because it was tapped in to something that wasn't temporary. It was tapped into to a continual source. I'm hungry, and I believe I preach it to a church that is hungry to go back to the days of digging a well where we tap in to not just a great weekend, not just a great revival, but where there's apostolic revival every time that we gather where miracles are outside the church, where people get getting the Holy Ghost, not even in the services. Yeah. woo I remember those days. And the water was much better than the water we drank today. In fact, most of us don't even drink tap water. We got a filter in the refrigerator. Hello? Because there's a lot of stuff in that water. And I, I'm not promoting people go back to them old wells. I, I remember that. I mean, you know, we had a... a Oh goodness, the tin—it was a ridge cap. It was a tin ridge cap turned upside down, and that was the trough the water came through to fill the pots up. You won't drink out the end of that because it had rust in it. You just carry that good, clear, clean stainless steel dipper, and you could carry buckets out to the field. Come on, y'all ain't old enough for me to talk about this. I remember those big buckets with that long dipper uh, handle. You take out to the fields, and everybody stopped working in the fields and come over and take turns drinking. You didn't have one dipper, so you had to take turns. Come on. Oh, we're going way back in time. Can I tell you, we need to go way back in time to some red hot prayer meetings. We need to go back in time where we ain't trying to make it happen, but we need a sovereign move of God. God is still God. He's still a miracle worker. He still moves mountains. He still wants to work among his people. He still wants to show his glory. God wants to prove to this world about a, a, a God that is all powerful, but I believe he's reaching for of people tonight come on that says I'm willing to dig some wells now I, you know you get these little preaching thoughts while you're preaching that's why it takes so long so the little curves or little side roads I ain't responsible for but there's been a many a happy worker in the field when somebody showed up with that bucket of cold water But if there had not been a whale, we'd have nothing to pull from to refresh those men. We're looking at a world today that needs somebody that knows how to get a hold of God come on. Why do you think Ruth wanted to follow Naomi into her homeland and said, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I'm going to lodge where you lodge and I'm going to die where you die. Why does she say those things? Because she knew that Naomi knew how to get a hold of God. She knew there was something there that she had tasted of uh, that Naomi knew how to get a hold of. Uh, I would to God that we'd get a revelation. I wish I could just deliver, open my heart up to Tonight. I I know I'm butchering the English language. I'm butchering this message. But if I could just unfold my heart tonight and pour it into each one of us, then I feel we could get what God is trying to say. It doesn't take a fancy message. It just says, you know what? I want to bring us back to a time that we didn't have stuff handed on a platter. We were not in an entitlement a syndrome. But we were saying, you know what? I need to touch God. I need to touch God for my family. We need to touch God for our church. We need to touch God for our community. And he is there waiting. He's just hungry for somebody to tap into it. Yeah. Woo! Come on, somebody. Help me preach tonight. The Bible says, The deep calleth unto the deep. Yay! the deep things of God. That... You know that little surface water? It'll run out. Those branches will dry up in the summertime. Go to Arizona. They got rivers, but there ain't no water. It's just dry, parched ground. It's in a, the sign says so-and-so river, and I go, don't like no river I ever saw. I brought her to Mississippi. We passed all that flooded waters going down to Jackson. I said, now that's a river. That thing's got plenty of water in it. Oh, praise God. But see, the the little branches and the little trenches that we can tap into will dry up when things get tough uh, when things get when there's a drought going on but if there's a well deep down uh, and it's hit that vein of the water it don't matter how much the drought gets brother McGill because it's deeper than the drought it goes further to us it goes to a source that is never ending it, it's the wells of living water that's why Jesus used that as an example that that's what his spirit is like. It is a well of living water. It's never going to run dry. It's never going to run out. Its source is forever continuing. If you read about heaven, there's a river coming out of that area that's going to flow. I'm telling you, it's a crystal clear river. I want to get back to a day that a church knows how to dig wells. Woo. My Lord, help me tonight, Jesus, you know digging wells is hard work. We live. Can I just talk real to us and i'm not talking down I'm in here with you folks? anything i'm saying to you i 'm saying to me okay we We live in a microwave mentality. Come on, let the microwave go out and see how mad you get. you'd be going to Walmart or Home Depot real quick buying a microwave because we've become accustomed to microwave. I'm afraid we've done got accustomed to microwave church. We just come in and get a quick fix. Heat it up real quick, going back home. Oh, come on, somebody. And we're not careful. This is all these young people are ever going to see out of us is microwave church. I'm not being negative tonight. I really am not. But we live in a world and a mentality that we I, I drive up to uh, Strange Brew Coffee, and there's this beautiful little girl there that is engaged to one of the finest young men I know, Brother Wesley, and she's got a smile bigger than Texas. And I order my Strange Brew. She could probably tell you what I order. Sugar-free mocha latte on ice large. I walk into just love, I go there sometime too for meetings, and when I walk in, they know what I want. Come on, Come on but it's just a quick deal. We want a microwave, we want to drive up church. It's all right, but that's not going that's not that's not going to produce the real stuff. I promise you you don't want to throw your Sunday roast in the microwave. Come on. I've never seen anybody, they might do it, but I I don't see anybody throwing that Sunday roast in the microwave. But you throw it in the crock pot. It takes a little while. But when you sit down and you eat that savory, ooh, I'm getting hungry right now, Mississippi roast with potatoes in it, and some of you carrot eaters have that in it. And you pour that juice and put that meat over some real mashed potatoes. Not instant. Hello, I know there's some good good instant mashed potatoes, don't get me wrong. But there ain't nothing like boiling those, skinning those potatoes and boiling them. But let me tell you something. You can buy old granddad biscuits uh, or whatever the grand biscuits are called, uh, but they don't come no match to grandma's cat head uh, biscuits. Come on. And we're raising children. on. well, I better hush now. Pancake on a stick ain't got nothing on homemade fat pancakes. Come on. These kids don't have a clue what good food is. They live off of hot dogs and corn dogs and chicken nuggets. (laughs) Come on, somebody. They live off of fast food, and they don't know what a good cathead. Most of them don't even know what a cathead biscuit is, do you? How many of y'all know what a cathead biscuit is? See, none of you know what it is. You need to go home and tell Grandma, I want me a cat head biscuit and some tomato gravy. Woo! Or either some kind of gravy that you like. I'm not talking about coming out of a pack, you pour a little water in it. Come on, you got to get a black skillet and you got to put some flour in it. You got to put some grease in it. Come on, somebody. Woo! Some folks going not wake up in the morning but cathead biscuits cooking, and I'm not talking about them Stobolt. Some of y'all know about them Stobolt, Stobalt dumplings. Stow-bought dumplings ain't got nothing on Sister Carolyn Fisher's rolled-out dumplings. That's got real chicken in them. Come on, somebody, where well, you boil a whole chicken? And here's what I'm leading to: I can't preach on food all night. We're gonna be headed to the restaurant. But what I'm talking about, that good old stuff took time. Them good old fruit cakes took time. Them good old coconut cakes took time. Now we just swing by Walmart, pick one up for $14. And ain't nobody really enjoying it. But we can say we had cake because you're supposed to have cake. Come on, you go by Walmart and buy them pans of, uh, of dressing because, you know, Thanksgiving coming, you're supposed to have dressing, but ain't nobody liking the dressing. Come on, somebody. And so we're living in a world where we're buying stuff, a quick fix, get by because it's what you're supposed to have, but ain't nobody getting nothing out of it. Why, we need to go back to a time of church and leave this stuff aside. We're supposed to have this, and we're supposed to have that. So we got a little microwave and a little pick-me-up something. But it ain't the real stuff, my friend, because the real stuff takes time. The real stuff takes a little work. The real stuff takes real prayer. The real stuff takes fasting. The real stuff takes all-night prayer meetings. But we're just getting by. Come on. We're just getting by and ain't nobody really getting that much out of it. It's all right. I just say, there wasn't no food product in my notes. I'm just trying to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. We might have part three digging wells next Sunday night. Come on. Woo. But now my granddaddy used to say, he was in the hospital. My dad went over and bought him the hamburger steaks. Woo, here comes Brother Bob. He's up to something. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. I don't know if y'all know what that's about, but in the black churches come on somebody I was preaching in Meridian Mississippi we was having revival brother Mansfield I ain't never had it happen but a young man black man walked up on. I was on the platform he got over it. he began to shine my shoes I didn't have a clue what was going on but it was something breaking loose in the church you know what God used that man because what he was saying there's some preaching going on there's a vein of the spirit we done tapped into it had nothing to do with the man but everything to do with the God and there's something that when we tap To the real thing, it produces something. Now, here's what I'm just obeying the Holy Ghost tonight. My my granddaddy, my daddy, went over and bought him a hamburger steak from Primo's. That was a fine restaurant back in the day in Jackson, right across from the hospital. Got him some a big old thick, juicy hamburger steak with this real hamburger meat. And what wasn't frozen. It was real stuff. And gravy and mashed potatoes and green beans. And they wasn't wax beans. I mean, folks, if you're going to eat green beans, cook them slow. Put some, put some bacon in there. Come on, put some seasoning up in there. You don't want to eat green beans just because you're supposed to eat green beans. But when my granddaddy got through eating, he looked at my daddy. He said, now, son. That'll stick to your ribs. Now, that fast food, fake stuff, quick fix, that's why you're hungry an hour later. Come on. Because it ain't going to give us what we need. Neither is fast food microwave church. A little get by, pick me up, come on somebody, uh, put together already in a pan just because we're supposed to have it. That ain't going to keep us through next Wednesday night, but you let us dig a well and you let us spend some time and some effort and put together the right stuff and the real stuff. It takes a little time, but it tastes a whole lot better and it sticks with you a whole lot longer and I'll tell you what: when it comes supper time next week you're going to want somebody to come eat supper with you you're going to be telling somebody you know what I don't recall ever getting excited and inviting somebody over to eat microwave food (laughs) no oh man come on we're going to have a feast and when they get there, they're looking for pot roast. They're looking for, I mean, yeast biscuits or, or rolls, rather. They're, they're looking for homemade cake and ho- I mean they're looking for a feast. And you get there and you over there to the microwave. Huh? And you set it out before them. They're gonna eat it. And when they leave, they're gonna run by Burger King. Come on. No wonder we might not. Well, oh, y'all, y'all bear with me. I'm just being pastor. I'm trying to be a good pastor. How many of you invited somebody to church this week? Or oh, what? Well, somebody count less than five percent. How many taught a Bible study this week? Uh-oh. Come on, somebody. How many people witnessed to somebody this week? And now we wonder why we ain't having revival. We wonder why the altars are empty. You know why? Because we eat in microwave church. We're coming in, we're getting our little fix, and we're getting our little belly full for a minute, and it ain't gonna last us to the next day hardly. And we're just coming in, we're going through the motions because that's what you're supposed to have. But there hadn't been deep prayer meetings, and we haven't had great breakthroughs, and nobody been digging wells, and the homes are empty of wells. Come on, somebody. He caught, I'm not being mean. God help me tonight to deliver this message and are uh, wrapped in love uh, because God is wanting to take us somewhere. Hello, somebody. But if we're going to have good church, it takes a little bit of work to dig a well. Come on, we got to get back to rolling up our sleeves. And we got to get back to investing into the church and working hard to dig wells and cap that water flow that will feed a thousand and thousands. That will be something that we can have good church and say, Oh, we had roast tonight. We had roasted and potatoes and the Holy Ghost tonight. There was a real move of God tonight. There was two tears flowing. There was conviction falling. There was a stirring in the midst. There was healings in the place. People getting the Holy Ghost. Come on somebody. I'm talking about if we'll do it, God will do his part. But he is never going to be a microwave God. He's never going to be a little quick fix God. He'll give you a little touch. He'll bless us a little bit. But we're never going to see the real revival that God has until we start digging well. My Lord, have mercy. I wish I could go back in time. I can't. And bring some of our elders here. The James Kilgores. The J.T. Pughes. The Merle Ewings. The O.R. Fosses. Come on, somebody. The G.A. Mangans. they seen thousands receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the greatest education. Some of them were great pulpiteers and some of them weren't so great pulpiteers. But they had moves of God and they had great churches. But they could tell us it was all built on their knees through a church that knew how to touch God. Come on. Oh, God, help us tonight. All right. I don't know how much time I got left, but. with Mark Cash said I had to 10 o'clock. I'm just hungry. We're hungry. Hungry for conviction to fall. We're hungry for revival to break out. We're hungry for sinners to come in. We're hungry to see families brought to God. Woo! Oh, praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. I, I, I ain't even, I'm I not even one paragraph. I, I'm just going to skip some of this stuff and get on down to where I'm trying to get to tonight. Everybody say, well, it's a prayer. I know we've been in prayer for, on prayer for four weeks or four different Wednesday nights. But we're going to keep talking about it for a couple more Wednesday nights because God help us to not let it be just a season, but it be a turning point of forever. Our churches were not built on weak prayers, but they were built on praying men and praying women. They had prayer warriors. They had intercessors. And so we've got to help people. And that's what we're trying to do <laughs> is we're trying to dig wells. How many of you have been using the charts that we've been passing out? I've heard several great testimonies. Come on, raise your hands if you've been using the charts to pray with. Come on, that's still a small percentage. And here's where I'm at. Please don't take this pastor's being mean. But it won't do one good to preach. It won't do one good to get out cards, to put together prayer guides if we don't use that the home. See, God's just not giving us stuff to get by Wednesday night. That is microwave religion. But God has given us stuff to take home and say, God, I'm not playing games. I really want revival, and I really want breakthrough. When That's when we do. We pick up those prayer guides, and they're in our Bibles, and we use them, and we pray, and we seek God, and whatever God is trying to tell us and lead us to, it's not just because we have Sunday night and that was a good Sunday night sermon. No, no, no. It is a word from God. It's God saying, come and go with me because I want to take you somewhere. I want to carry you to my will. I want to take you to the depths of my spirit. I want to take you to the promises of all. I want to take you to the fulfillment of prophecies that have been given to this church for the last 50 to 60, 70 years. I want to take you to the places you've dreamed of. I want to take you back to the places that this church was built for. I want to take you to the places you have never seen. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, digging a well. Now, y'all are too quiet. I know you're listening. But digging a well, revival doesn't come easy. But it takes digging a well of prayer. Praying until something happens. In Nigeria, the apostolics pray for 8, 9, 10, 12 hours a day in many cases. Because their philosophy is this. You don't stop praying until you get a move of God. What would happen if we came in here and we didn't worry about music? We didn't worry about preliminaries? We just prayed To God showed up. I know we might not have four songs or three songs. I know we might not get to preach that night, but we'd have a move of God. But they pray until a miracle takes place. Oh, praise God. Now, let let me go a little further. Everybody said the wells of sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctifying means to set apart. In the scripture, when God told Jacob Genesis chapter 35, verse 1 through 12. He said, Jacob, arise and go back to Bethel. That's that, I'm telling you, that's that supernatural experience he had with him. When he laid under the stars with his head on the stones as a pillow that night, and he saw a a ladder that was angels ascending uh, and descending. And he said, this is none the less than the gate of heaven. I'm telling you, Brother Lee, it was a place he would never forget, even though he had wandered from it, even though he had gone far from it. And he had got himself in a mess, and, and his life wasn't turning out the best in the world. And he caught himself with Esau on his trail, and he got along with God and he touched the hollow of his thigh and his name was said to that it was going to be changed from Jacob to Israel but it happened happened yet it hasn't happened yet and then God speaks to him he said Jacob arise and go back to Bethel go back to that place of the supernatural go back to my first visitation go back to a place you called nonetheless than the gate of heaven I want you to go back there and take your people to a place that you have been, yes, sir. a place that you experienced, Jacob. Go take them back. Amen. And Jacob says, okay, I'll go back. Come on, folks, let's go. Jacob looked at the people, being the leader that he was, and he said, Change the way you dress. That's what he said. He said, change your garments. Cleanse. He said, take your earrings out. Just get rid of the jewelry. Come on. You know, the old way, we didn't have that back then. Hell somebody. We picked some stuff up out of the world along the way. Come on, I'm just preaching truth. And he said, I want you to bury it at a tree called Shechem. And there's a reason it was buried because you don't want to go dig it back up. When you bury it, it means it's dead. It's not something i go back to after a while. But when you bury it, it's saying, I'm done with it. I no longer want it in my life. I want it dead in my life. You know what real repentance is? You know where revival really comes from? It's when we, from our own heart, says, you know what, God? I want to get rid of everything that I brought into my life, everything that I've added that should not have been, everything that was produced out of a of this world, everything that was produced out of the way of the world that was not godliness, we want to bury it. Yes, sir. Hello? And he told them that. Then he took them back to Bethel. Y'all with me? Don't let me lose you now. You know why he did that, Abigail? Because he knew they couldn't go back to Bethel in the condition they were. There had to be some changes. You know what keeps a lot of people away from Bethel? They're too much in love with the changes that came in their life since they were at Bethel the first time. Come on. I'm preaching truth tonight. And we look at what we've added and we look what now we do. And we say, I don't want to give this up. And God said, well, you can't go back to Bethel, honey. And Jacob knew they couldn't go back to Bethel, and I've been praying, and I've shared it with his church. You know, when revival really comes, I'm going to count meeting next week, so don't let me go home word about what you think tonight. But you know when revival really comes, when the pastor don't have to require it, people say, you know what, this way it should. This way it, it wasn't like this 30 years ago. This wasn't allowed 50 years ago. And my God, they had revival, and we ought to look holy. We ought to dress holy. We ought to act holy. We ought to dress modest. We ought to act modest. We ought to live modest. We ought to live godly. He said, be you holy, for I am holy. He said, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And Jacob sank, led the people to sanctification. And I don't find in Scripture, brother, Wesley, where anybody said, I ain't got to do that. Oh, that's not necessary. Go read it. Not one person you read of says, no, nope, I ain't going with that deal. I'm going to go find me another church don't preach it so hard. You didn't see them doing that because family was family. They were part of the kingdom of God, and they all followed. They all buried it at Shechem, and they all changed their garments, and they all marched back in, following Jacob back to Bethel. And then let's go a little further. What about Joshua? Joshua was getting ready. Throw that scripture up there in Joshua if you don't mind. Y'all getting quiet because I done got on some toes. I told you, I'm getting on my toes too. Let's not let things of this world clog up the things of heaven. Let's don't do that. We can get by and we can look like a good church. We can look like everything's just right. But if we let the things of this world clog the things of heaven, we will never... Experience what God has for the church. Come on. And it came to pass after three days that the offers went through the host. And they commanded the people say, When you see the ark of the covenant of your Lord, represents the presence of God and the priest of the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And there shall be a space between you. Skip to the next verse. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Never mind. Never mind. Go back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come not near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'm in the Bible. I wonder what wonders God will do if we'll do our part. I wonder what wonders God is waiting to do if he'll just, if we'll do our part. I got to go on. It's getting hard to dig this well. Come on. What about wells of consecration? Hmm. You know what consecration is? Consecration is deep devotion. Consecration is fasting and prayer. Consecration. Consecration is deep dedication to God. Oh, bahaya! I don't know about you, but this old preacher needs a little more consecration. Come on, I said. I don't know about you, but this preacher needs a little more consecration. I think we all need a little more consecration because you know what that is. I'm not being mean tonight, but that's getting that old roast out and putting it in a crock pot and cooking it on slow and say, God, tender me up, God, God, make me tender, God, get deep down in my soul, God, get a hold of my heart and make me what you want me to be. Ho-ho! Right. Ho-ho! Oh, God, consecration and dedication. Tap your hands to the Lord if you don't mind. (laughs) Digging a well. Digging a well called giving. I'm really stepping on toe now, ain't I? No, we got a good church. We got a very good giving church. But... Digging a well that says, God, what you have blessed us with, so much of it belongs to you. And beyond that, that we want to help carry the church forward. Digging the wells. Come on, somebody, help me today. I'm almost coming to a close. Everybody said "Almost." almost. Digging the wells of obedience. Now, this is a well that's been clogged up. By modern day mentality, Whew, y'all don't make me have a hard time sleeping at night. You know, when I grew up in, as a child in the church, I had a precious mom. I never heard about church trouble. I'm sure there might have been some, and I never heard gossip. I never heard anything negative about the preacher. I remember my mama in the latter days before she passed before the uh, last couple of pastors were there. They went through a season and the pastor split the church, stood up in front of the whole church and made everybody that was with him come stand beside and pointed all the ones that were against him. It was just dumb. It was crazy. It split our home church. And my mama said then, I've never talked about a preacher and I'm not going to start now. Even though she knew how wrong he was, she wasn't going to do it. Oh, and it's not about the person because nobody's perfect. It's about the office that we revere. Because if we revere God, we revere the office. And I'm not, look, I wish I could just have somebody else preaching this part right now. But there's something about the voice of God. that The way I was raised, and I'm sure you was as well because your dad was a pastor. That whatever the pastor taught That's what we were supposed to live I mean we really were I mean that's the order that God set up Moses taught the people That's what they were supposed to follow Joshua led the people That's what they were to follow Right? That, that's the order God has set Go read it in the Bible It's there Does it make him perfect? No But it makes the order perfect Okay? That's what God chose. And we were raised that whatever that preacher says and teach. That's what you do. And if he's wrong, then he's got to an answer to God. Now, I'm not saying if he's wacky or crazy or loony. We all pick up on that real quick. But if that pastor loves you and that pastor's praying and that pastor's living right and that pastor's trying his best to lead, then we ought to do what he teaches because he's not trying to dictate our lives. He's trying to help us be the best we can be and make heaven our home. He's trying to, that's, I mean, come on. The number one reason that pastors leave the ministry is because they're at, a, they're at an all-time record number today. Is because they feel ineffective. Come on. Because we're coming to an hour, listen to me, where if the parents don't do some things the pastor teaches and they make a self-governing decision, well, that's what he preaches, but I don't believe it that way. That sends a message to the child that says, I don't have to do what he says. And when they get a little older, chances are, They're going to pick their own things that they don't agree with the pastor about. But that could very well be things their parents agree with them about. But the parents are not going to be able to say a thing because they taught their children you don't have to do what he says. Do you know why? Do you know why Herodias had John the Baptist's head put on a platter? Remember, she was married to his brother Philip first. And she left Philip and married Herod. And John the Baptist came out preaching against that adultery and he exposed them and called them out for their sin. And she set it up and she asked for his head on a platter. You know why? Because she wanted to cut off the voice of the man of God. Don't cut off the voice of the man of God in your children's life. I told my wife, and this wasn't anything I was mentioning in the conversation. And, and you know, Raylan Kate was hugging me this morning at the restaurant, hugging me, and, and I was just using that as a, as an example. You know, I love these kids, and most of them love me, if not all of them. They do. They hug me. They, I mean, I just, it, it cherishes my heart, the way they treat me. I'm thinking, I'm nobody. I'm this short, you know, heavyset, you know, whatever. I could go on and on, but I won't. I'm nothing. Come on. But these kids love me. But they love their teacher, too. And I told her, I believe with all my heart. That God gives a special love to children for their pastor and their Sunday school teachers and their leaders. Why? Because God wants them to have an open heart to their voice and to their influence. Because they need it to. That, I, I evangelized for several years, and I was always amazed at the little children that would run to their pastor and hug their pastor and love their pastor. And it was everywhere you go, and it's not coincidental. It's not because we're such great people that it makes kids want to love us. I think they feel the love coming from us, but I think it is God putting something in their heart that says, I love that man of God. And God says, I want you to love him because I want you to watch him and I want you to listen to him and I want him to influence your life. And if God does that special anointing for a child, he is sending a message, I want them to love the man of God. Then we ought to encourage that every every way we can. I'm not trying to get you to put me on the pedestal, my Lord. I'll tell you, I'm as human as anybody. But we need to never cut off the voice of the man of God. Let's stand together. Oh, praise God. I'm through digging wells now. Oh, God, help us to dig wells that would bring forth a resource of revival, that would bring joy in the Holy Ghost. Can I go a little further with digging wells for a moment? We can dig wells of joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, the Holy Ghost gives us joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. There's something about the Holy Ghost that'll get us walking right and talking right and loving right and doing right. There's something about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Well, praise God. I tell you what, y'all just shout right quick and i feel better. <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> Come on. I believe I'm preaching to people tonight that says, I want to go back to the old landmark. I want to go back to the days of real revival. I want to go back to see, I thank God for the new things we have. But they don't mean anything in comparison to the old things that we have. I'm talking about knowing how to get a hold of God, knowing how to have a breakthrough, uh, praying over lost souls, uh, seeking the kingdom of God. I open these altars tonight. Could we go get some could we dig some wells? God if there's things in my life I need to get rid of God help me get rid of it you know when I got the Holy Ghost nobody told me to take off some things that I was wearing I'd done it because I looked and I held my hand in the air and I felt conviction and I pulled that hand down after three times I slipped it off my finger and I've never worn it since why because God convicted me When I looked in the mirror the next morning, I got a razor, and I shaved because God convicted me. No man told me to do it. I'm telling you, I don't know what yours might be, but I'm telling you, we ought to say, God, talk to my heart. Help me cleanse myself. Help me, God, to lay aside things that are not pleasing to you because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Oh, this world, we're not citizens of this country only, but we're citizens of another world.